my first full year as I, as I go through New England uh, seasons, I'm realizing that fall is quite a busy season. It's like, it's like once after Labor Day happened, like people are just all over the place, um, bustling around, it's going crazy, and, and I don't think it's gonna slow down until like, I'm guessing like January, January, I don't know. But it's, it's, it's something I'm getting used to. And as I started thinking about today, I started thinking about packing for a hike. I love to go hiking. But one of the things when you go hiking, you have to, you have to pack. And you have to go and you have to pack certain things that you need for the hike because you want to enjoy the hike, but you also you know, want to make sure that you bring things you absolutely need. And sometimes when you hike, you could bring things you don't need and your pack could look kind of, well, kind of busy. And so as I started thinking about this, I started thinking about the book of Haggai. You know, like, how did you think about the book of Haggai? Well, let me tell you. The book of Haggai, let me give you kind of this, this, the historical setting here. The Jews are, are taken, overtaken by the Babylonians and they're, and they're cast off away from Jerusalem. The, the temple of the Lord has been destroyed. The temple that Solomon built has been destroyed. And they go away in exile. And... They start to build houses, they start to um, have families, they start to kind of get their lives back together in this 50 years of exile away from Jerusalem. But then in uh, 539 BC, Cyrus the Great of Persia comes in and takes over, um, destroys the Babylonians, establishes the Persian Empire, and the Persians had a different way of dealing with um, people from other cultures. They wanted, wanted you to actually exercise whatever religious preference you had. They just ruled differently. The Babylonians were very much, you conform to this, you're out of here. Persians are a little bit different. And so what happens is, is they tell the, the, the Jews to come back to Jerusalem and build the temple again. But the people aren't too excited about that. They've, they've gotten really busy with what they're doing and where they're at in exile. And that's kind of today's message. Today's message is titled, Blinded by Busyness. And oftentimes we could be blinded by busyness just in our daily lives. So let's go ahead and pray and ask God to just open this time up and just bless this time. Father, we come to you right now and we just pray that your spirit would be here, open our hearts, speak to our hearts, and speak through the word. We love you, Lord, and we just want you to be honored through this. Jesus' name. Amen. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a few things of busyness. And the first thing I want to look at is the deception of busyness. The deception of busyness. Haggai 1-2 says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time, the suitable moment has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. The temple, the Lord's house, the temple, the place where God dwells. And like I said, when they're in exile, they're, they're, they're building their homes. They're, they get married. They plant gardens. They have thriving businesses. And so they're not excited to go back to Jerusalem and start building the temple again. They're like, we're good where we're at. 
And you see in verse 2, they start making excuses. They're like, no, it's not the time yet. I know you think it's the time, but it's not the time. It's not the time for us to build God's house. They can't even discern the time they live in. I mean, think about this. They're cast off in exile by the Babylonians, and then they have the Persians that come in. And back in those days when people took over the known world, it wasn't like they were like, hey, go ahead and go back and do what you wanted to do before. We're going to give you back land. This was a special supernatural time that God was opening up and saying, go back and build my temple. But they don't, they can't even discern that. They can't even discern the times that they live in. How special that was. God was opening that up for them. Because they're just consumed with what they got going on. Verse 3 and 4, we, said, we, we, we read, Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. And I love prophets. Because they, really just, they speak for the Lord, but they, they don't go on punches. And so this is what Haggai says. He says, Is it time for you yourselves to be living in paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? And to give you some cultural context to this, when he talks about paneled houses, they would have these houses, they would build kind of these tents, these structures, and they would take acacia wood and they would adorn their houses with these wooden panels. And so what, what he's saying here is, is, is it time to make your house nice and pretty when you're supposed to be moving back and building the temple? They were, they were, they were preoccupied with the finishing touches on their house versus God's temple, rebuilding God's temple. And as Christians, we are called God's temple. God dwells in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And we're called to build his temple and expand his kingdom to the ends of the earth. And God has declared that the time is now. He said, listen, preach to everyone the good news of the gospel. The good news that, that Christ has come, has lived a perfect life. And if you put your faith in him, you're no longer destined for eternal Separation from him, but eternal life in heaven with him. He's saying the time is now. Ever since Christ ascended, he commissioned us. This is a special time that we live in. Can we discern that? Can we discern that we are called to build God's house right now? You know, sometimes when I was in the Marine Corps, we go on these big hikes. My pack didn't look like this, by the way. Um, not the, it wasn't this color. But um, I would, you would go and you'd finish this like monster hike. And you'd sit down your pack. It'd be like this big thud. And you'd hear like hundreds of thuds. Like thud, 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 thud. And it was like it became a contest. It was like, yeah, my pack was 80 pounds. Another guy would go, well, mine was 90. Well, well mine was 92.5. And it's like, I didn't even know that. But it was like it, became like, a, it became like a contest. Like, the more weight I had, the better. It was like this badge of honor. And sometimes, that's how we wear busyness. Busyness becomes this badge of honor. Like, I am so busy, I don't even have time for my kids right now. I'm so busy, I don't even have time to do this or time to do that. You're like, but it's not in a way that's like, Pray for me. It's in a way of saying, look how great I am. I have so much going on. And here's the thing. Like, we can be preoccupied with things. Just like the Jews were. They were preoccupied with their houses. We could be preoccupied with things. And here's the thing. It's not even bad things. Sometimes and many times it's good things. That's what's, what's so hard about this. It's so deceptive about this. 
mean, I was thinking about this for myself. Ministry itself could be something I get preoccupied with and just forget about building God's kingdom. I can just take more and more and more and more on. It's a good thing in and of itself, but it becomes a bad thing because it becomes about me, not about the Lord. We have these things in our lives that are similar to that. I was thinking um, a few years back, we had a water pipe that broke in our house, and we just had flooding. I thought it was the kids, like, in the summertime, I thought they were, like, coming in from the, the, the swimming pool and dropping, like, water on the floor, and I was yelling at them for, like, two days, not realizing we had actually a broken pipe, and I felt horrible, but I, I remember sitting there just up at night going, how are, is this going to be fixed? Like, I was awake at night because our house was in ruin, and I just felt like, oh, this is going to die. Like, this whole thing's going to go, and we're going to die. And I started, like, getting all crazy and be weird, and just, like, it was... You guys know where I'm at. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But, um, then I started thinking, how many times have I stayed up at night because God's house is in ruin? How many times have I stayed awake because I know that someone I love or I don't even, haven't even met yet doesn't know the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? How many times have I been concerned with that? How many times have you been concerned? So that's the first thing. The second thing is the consequence of busyness. Busyness has consequences. Verse 6. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but you never have enough. You're never content. You drink, but you never have your fill. You never get the desired effect that you're looking for. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You know, when you go for a hike and you start just piling stuff on here, you know, it looks absolutely crazy. But it also gets really heavy. Your pack starts to get really heavy, and the hike isn't even satisfying anymore. You're, you're just like, I'm not satisfied, but yet, instead of taking things away, usually, whenever I go, I'm like, well, I need more, I need more, and I just pack more and more into this. And it's like that with our lives. One of the consequences of busyness is we're not satisfied. We're never satisfied. It just gets heavier and we add more and more and more onto it. Haggai 9 through 11 says, You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Why did you blow away, declares the Lord God Almighty? Because of my house, which remains in ruin, destroyed. Well, each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore. Now, whenever you see a therefore in scripture, you need to like stop and go, okay, why is the therefore there? Like, it's, God's about ready to lay a, a, pronounce something that's a huge thing. Therefore, since you've been worried about your own house, therefore, because of you, the, heaven, because of you the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops, I called... For a drought on the fields and on the mountains, on the grains and the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and all the labor of your hands. What is God saying? Well, first he's saying, your busyness is destroying you. And God is further saying, 
I'm withholding spiritual blessing and flourishment from you. You're not going to be satisfied. I'm withholding that from you because you're more concerned about building your kingdom and not my kingdom. I was, I was thinking about satisfaction and uh, just being satisfied in life and, and all that. And I was reading this and who knows what this is? Yeah, it's an iPhone, right? Man, I know someone, some of you are nervous. You're like, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's an iPhone. Okay, so interesting. The thing about an iPhone is how that all came about now. Does everyone know who Steve Jobs is? He's a founder, co-founder, CEO of Apple for a long time. Um, and he worked for years, right? Like Apple went up and down until 2001 when the iPod came out. And all of a sudden it just took over. And we could also say that um, perhaps like our lives were taken over at that point as well because everyone has an iPhone and I'm constantly attached to it. Um, but we look at Steve Jobs and we say, that guy was an innovator. He like totally got it. Steve Jobs, not a, a Christian, not a professed, professed Christian during this time. Um, but we hold him to high esteem. He, he understood the difference, the, you know, he combined an art and science and he understood this. He's, he's venerated amongst people. I mean, we use his product like constantly. Yet always looking for satisfaction. Always looking for satisfaction. How many of you know who David Brainerd is? Not too many hands. David Brainerd was a missionary to the Delaware Indians in New Jersey. Um, Jonathan Edwards writes about him. He died in 1776. That's probably why most of us don't know. Young guy. Died of tuberculosis at a very young age. Risked his whole life to spread the good news of the gospel to the Native American people here in this region. Not a celebrity, not someone we go, oh yeah, David Brainer, yeah, that's great. Yet, let me ask you, at this very moment, at this very moment that we speak, that I'm speaking right now, who is more satisfied? Yes. Thanks, Fred. David. David Brainer is most satisfied. Why? Because he treasured Christ above all. He's, fit, he's filled, and he, and he has this full measure of his treasure, an unhindered experience of Christ. That's what he has right now. He's received that. You see, if you ever want to know what somebody treasures, what someone finds their satisfaction in, or what they're looking for their satisfaction, just look at what they spend their time and their money on. So if someone wants to look at your time and your money, Who's your treasure? Who would, what, who or what would be your treasure right now? What do you spend your time? What do you spend your money? What is all that busyness? Where is that at? As I, as I, I preach this, it's, uh, it's, I'm actually having thoughts of my own. Like, man, if you were to look at my life and I spend my time and money on, and you were to say, who's your treasure? Like, that's, that's weighty. So I, I encourage you to look at that. 
What's our, what's our response to this, though? Because we, we need to have a response. God just doesn't leave us hanging out there and saying, hey, stop being busy and no spiritual flourishment or, or blessings for you. No, he gives us an out. He's like, here you go. Here's the biblical response. He gives us five things in this, in this passage. It starts off in Haggai 1, 5, and 7. He uses a phrase. He says, give careful thoughts to your ways. Give careful thoughts to your ways. This is a command. God is commanding. He's saying, give careful thoughts to your ways. Carefully weigh in your mind what you do. Think about what you do and why you do it and for whom you do it for. Think about it. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, We demolish arguments of every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We're supposed to think about the things we do and why we do it. Here's why I say this. Because sometimes we do even those good things for the wrong reasons. And we just, we do more and more and more, and we add more because that validates us in some way, shape, or form. And God says, no, you're already validated in Christ. And here's the thing. The enemy doesn't want us to do this. He doesn't want us to give careful thoughts to our ways. He wants us to think that if we, stay, if we don't stay busy, that we're worthless. I mean, have you ever had that feeling? Like, I need to be doing something. I was sitting at home yesterday, and I'm like, I'm sitting on my couch, I'm like, I need to be doing something. I need to be doing something. I need to be doing something. And it just, it just builds up. That's the enemy. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you, if you stop to think about things for a while, it just freaks you out. God says, give careful thoughts to your ways. The enemy wants us to be so consumed with busyness that we don't think about our ways. So we take every, every thought captive to Christ. How do we do this? Just stop for a minute. Think about it. Pray about it. Ask yourself, why am I doing this? Am I doing it for me? Am I doing it for the Lord? Like, why am I doing this? Get to the motivation of why you do what you're doing. Make saying yes a hard thing and no is a little bit easier. What's the second thing? Verse 12. The people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai. So the people go and they hear the voice, they hear the word of the Lord, and they examine their hearts, they listen, they understand, and they make changes. And it says, and the people feared the Lord, they revered the Lord, they honored the Lord. They were in awe of God. They took God at his word. They took him at his word. They didn't try to find a loophole around God's word. In fact, they were in awe of God. They were like, wow, yes, Lord. So what should we do? Number two, we should read, heed, and obey God's word. If you're going to obey God's word, that means you need to be in God's word. I mean, this, this is huge. If you're not in this every single day, if you, you are not a person of the word, then you're going to have problems. We need to know this up and down, up and down. Breathe it, live it, obey it, be in awe of it. I mean, we get a picture of who God is through this. The Spirit works in us as we read this. 
You can't detach your Christian life away from God's word. It's, it's just not going to happen. So be people of the word. Enjoy the word. God has given us this for a purpose. Matthew 4.4. 4. This is Christ's response. He says to the devil when he's being tempted, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out from the mouth of God. And some of you are saying, I don't have enough time for that, Brian. I just don't have enough time. My answer would be, do you have enough time to eat? It's not a matter if you have enough time, it's a matter of survival. You have enough time to eat, you have to eat to live. Well, guess what? You have to ingest God's word to live, too. It's a matter of survival. So that's the second thing. The third thing, our biblical response, verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you. God says, I am with you. I am with you. I'm going to see that like three more, three or four more times. I am with you. We need to enjoy God's presence. We're just so busy with things. We're so busy. Our, our, our lives look like this pack right here. There's just a bunch of junk hanging over. We don't even know why we have it. I mean, you know, I'm going through life and yeah, I sure do need this uh, total gym, get ripped results, you know, um, <laughs> You know, top still fair thing going on over here. Can't forget about the Patriots. Got my dog toy just in case, you know. My dog's with me, I don't know. Starbucks, because I love Starbucks. And how many times do we just go before God? We're in awe of Him. We just go and we're just quiet. We're just quiet. We don't have our laundry list of things that we want to send to God. We're just quiet. We're listening. And we're just basking in the fact that who we are, who God is, and that we get to just be in his presence and feel his presence. How many times do we do that throughout our week? Instead, we load more stuff on because we think if we do more, if we do more, if we do more, then maybe I'll get some sort of feeling that I'm looking for. And God says, in Christ, don't worry. I love you. I am with you. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Some of, you, some of you might be sitting here going, What does that look like? Do you know my house is crazy? Have you been to my house before? I was reading this book and it was talking about finding your desert. You know, God has sent people out to, to deserts a lot of times to kind of just fill his presence. Um, the Apostle Paul spent some time in the desert. What's your desert? Find your desert. Find that quiet spot where you can just be alone with God. That might be for the mother. That might be the bathroom at 10 o'clock at night. Do not come in. The bathroom door is closed. Don't even talk to me. I'm spending time with God. For, for the guy, for, like, for example, me, that's walking around the woods. I just got to walk around the woods and be by myself. I look kind of, you know, just wandering. People sometimes probably think I'm lost. Sometimes I am, but... <laughs> the point is, is find your desert and just spend time with God. Listen to God. 
slow down. And it's going to be hard for some, some of us. It is. I'm not going to lie. It's hard because we're so inundated with input. Our lives are so busy. Just slow down. Be with God. Enjoy his presence. That's, that's essential as, as breathing, really. All right, so that's the third thing. The fourth thing. Verse 8 says, Go up into the mountain and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure or satisfaction in it and be honored, says the Lord. So the, the fourth thing is we have to prioritize things and make decisions with the kingdom mindset. We have to have God in mind at all times. Turn to Colossians real fast, a little excursion here. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you, you will also appear with him in glory. Set your mind on things above. Have a kingdom mindset. Realize that God has you where he has you for the expansion of his kingdom. You're not an island. We have to prioritize our things with a kingdom mindset. How does this relate to the kingdom of God? That has to constantly be filtered through that. That helps you say no to some things, some really good things. We have to have that constant mindset. The fact is we have to stop investing in the glory of the American dream and start living in the glory of Christ. That American dream, it's a farce. For Christ, that's the anchor for our soul. The fact is, as we stand... At the, end of, at the end of the age, we stand in front of Christ. We're not going to stand in front of Christ, and he's not going to go, Brian, you did a great job. You really managed a very busy schedule. Good job for you. You, you took on more than anyone else. But he is going to take pleasure in how we proclaim him in word and deed. See the difference? We have to have a kingdom mindset. We have to constantly prioritize things. Finally, Haggai 1.14 says, So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and son of Sheatel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. The remnant of the people. God has, has preserved a remnant of his people throughout all of uh, redemptive history. There's always a remnant of people. And right now, in this age, we are his remnant. As the church, we're his remnant. We avoid busyness as a church by being a family totally devoted to mission and committed to building God's kingdom. The fact is this. As a church, we can become busy with stuff. It's just, it's really easy to become busy with stuff. We have to avoid that. We have to remember why we're here. Because here's the thing. It doesn't matter what people think about Free Christian Church. It's not about making Free Christian Church here in North Andover or in Andover famous. Who cares about that? It's about making Christ famous. That's why we're here. 
We make Christ famous. We point people to Christ at every aspect of our lives. That's our purpose. That's why we're here. That's why we're together as a church. This is a big deal to God. Now, you notice, I didn't, I didn't say you need to get rid of certain things in your life. I just said examine yourself. Because here's the thing. My packing list and your packing list is going to look different. There's certain things from my, my life that are, not, that are not a distraction, that connects me with the Lord, that maybe would be distractions for you, that make you get into that busy, crazy cycle that isn't for me. So I'm not going to call out specific things. Because then it just leads to legalism and you say, oh, look, I did. That's what we're supposed to do. That's not what I'm saying. This is a matter of the heart. It's, a, it's not a matter of a invoking a behavior. It's a heart issue. So look at your packing list. What are some things that you got to get rid of? What are some things that are preventing you from building God's house? Making excuses. What are those things? This time tomorrow, when the alarm goes off, what are the changes going to be? What about a month from now? What about six months from now? What are some of the changes going to be? I want you to think about that. And if you're not sure and you need prayer and you love to discern some of those things, I'd love to come alongside you and talk through those things. If you didn't know, I have office hours here on Mondays and Thursdays from 12 to 4 here in the Davis room. And we can just have a discussion about it. I just, I want us to be a church that loves Christ and makes him famous. And we just, we gotta discard some of this, this junk. And why do I even need this? I don't even know. Mm. Let's pray. Oh, Father, give us wisdom in this. Give us wisdom as we go and we seek to make your name famous, to build your house. I pray that we'd all examine our hearts, that we'd heed your word, that we'd bask in the glory of your presence. I pray that, oh, we would just be so committed to building your house and your kingdom. Give us that kingdom mindset, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we just, we just want to honor you. We ask this all in the